This is Dan Wilson Uncancelled. Let's go. US superstar Caitlyn Jenner is the world's most famous trans person, a TV icon, thanks to her appearances on shows including I'm a Celebrity and Keeping Up with the Kardashians, and most importantly, a voice of reason. And having won an Olympic gold medal as a man, she has a unique and invaluable insight into the war on women's sport. Hot on the heels of the controversies gripping swimming and cycling following the respective dominance of US athlete Leah Thomas and Brit Emily Bridges over their biological female competitors, perhaps, perhaps the most egregious sporting injustice yet has sparked even more outrage over the weekend. So look at this. This is Julie uh, Valentino, a member of an LGBTQ plus inclusive Gaelic football team who identifies as a transgender woman towering over female competitors in a ladies' shield competition. The athlete is reported to have played sport for over 30 years and joined the team after being injured in rugby. The club, which states its members can play in the team they best identify with without restriction, ultimately won their first ever trophy in Dublin last week. Not surprising, despite the attempted intervention of a referee over Valentino's presence in the final. The Ladies Gaelic Football Association has announced it is developing a policy on transgender players in response. But what's becoming increasingly clear and worrying is that any sport can be infiltrated by trans athletes with minimal opposition. The only attempts at reform coming after the dreams of biological women have already been dashed. And Caitlin, it is great to have you back on the show tonight. I mean, we've seen some response from sporting bodies such as FINA and the Rugby Football Union who have banned trans athletes. But but when you see a photo like that showing, you know, someone who by all intents and purposes looks like a big burly bloke competing against a team of women, I mean, something's not ha- working here, right, Kate? And something's not working. No, it's definitely not working. Um, yeah, the woke world has kind of tried to take over this uh, issue. Uh, I've been very consistent from the beginning I mean, over the last couple of years that I, I don't want biological men um, competing in women's sports. Um, it's just not fair. And I've been very open about it. And obviously, because of Leah Thomas, I did a lot of speaking on it. I did a lot of lobbying on it to try to um, keep it fair for women. And uh, we won that battle. Uh, FINA, who's the world organization um, that uh, governs over uh, swimming, basically banned him. Um, uh, Their new rules are if you don't transition by the age of 12 years old, you can't compete in women's sports. And what they realized is it's not so much your hormone levels um, that are you know, have to be right. Mm. But it's if you went through um, puberty. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> uh, I actually, Dan, you may be shocked, but I went through male puberty. What? Okay, so, <laughs> yes, yes, I did. I went through male puberty and uh, I was strong. I'm, I was, well, I was 6'2". Uh, thank God yeah. I'm down to 6'1". And um, uh I, I can still hit the ball. I'm 72 years old. I can still hit the ball 180, 100, or 280, 290 yards. Why? Because wow. my arms, yeah, my arms are long. I, I, you know, my legs are long. I, I you know, I'm quick. I, I can still do those types of things. So 
I mean, uh, just because, I mean, I transitioned seven years ago and had a full transition. And um, yeah, there's still a lot left over there. So to be honest with you, I want, it has to be fair and it has to be fair for women's sports. Women have worked so hard that here in the United States with Title IX uh, for fairness in sports, um, equal opportunity in sports. And then the trans community comes in. And to be honest with you, um, uh, the woke world is trying to mess this whole thing up. And yeah. I want to protect women in sports. I mean, that's the bottom line. It is. It is. Look, I just want to... Um show you, Caitlin, what Leah Thomas and Emily Bridges have said about this so that you can respond directly. So, so Leah Thomas wants to compete at the Olympics. Uh, this is what she told ABC. Experts say the effects of higher testosterone during male puberty may never be fully erased. There is this concept of the legacy effects of testosterone and that that can't ever be zero. Should that eliminate or disqualify transgender women? There is there's a lot of variation among cis uh, female athletes. There are cis women who are very tall and very muscular. Are there Olympics in your future? It's been a goal of mine to, to swim at Olympic trials for, for a very long time, and I, I would love to see that through. But what would you say to Leah Thomas, Caitlin? Well, it seems... You know, in listening to her talk, it's all about her. It's all about her. Um, it's not about what's fair in sports. It's um, she has a tremendous advantage over the girls. I mean, she's taller, bigger hands, cardiovascular system is bigger, went through male puberty, all of those things. She just has a tremendous advantage and it's just not fair. And to be honest with you, um, this is bad publicity for the trans community. I mean, it really is. It makes the trans community look selfish, self-absorbed. You know, Leah Thomas even said, well, if you accept me as a woman, then you, that means you have to accept me as a woman athlete. No, that is not the case. Uh, we don't have to accept that. And it's just not good publicity for the community. I mean, honestly, I know so many trans people that are just wonderful human beings. I mean, just doing great things in life. Um, I want them to be the example of what they're living for. But you know, this is a difficult issue. What about, you know, female to male athletes? So there's a lot of issues out there right now. Um, but number one, uh, we have to keep it uh, fair for women, you know? Uh, indeed. So, so there's the British trans cyclist Emily Bridges, essentially our equivalent of, of Leah Thomas. This is what she has to say. I don't want special treatment from anyone. I just want the same opportunities as my fellow female athletes. They make the point that they believe that you even competing against other women cyclists is unfair. I can understand how they how they're feeling that way especially athletes that i've grown up with um because i feel like because they haven't seen me much they still they still view me as the same person as i was pre-transition so they will still see me as with the performance that i had then which i don't i don't have that performance anymore my my performances decrease massively and the issue with that, Caitlin, is that Emily Bridges was competing as a man just a few months ago and had a time 
that was two minutes faster than the top British female athlete in the equivalent event. So if she were to compete, she wouldn't just beat the other female cyclists. She would blow them out the water. And obviously you've got the female cyclists in the UK saying, hang on a moment, what's the point in us even training if we need to compete against Emily? Again, it comes down to it's not fair. Uh, obviously, she went through male puberty, competed as a male, uh, now trying to come over and compete on the women's side. It's just not fair. Not only did um, FINA uh, come up with new rules that if you don't transition by the time of 12 years old and you, you, know, you can't go through male puberty, um, <clears throat> All the other sports are starting to pick that up. I know track and field athletics is is uh, looking at the exact same thing. And I think eventually all if all the sports organizations are going to just have to say, hey, if you went through male puberty, you know, and <clears throat> you're not going to be eligible down the line to uh, to compete in in women's sports. It's honestly it's just it's it's very simple. I'm out to protect women's sports. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, Me uh, I want to keep And to be honest with you, I don't want to see, you know, the finals, you know, five trans women, uh, you know, going up against five cisgender women. It, that, it just wouldn't be fair. I, I don't want to have to make that. If you really, if you transition and, and you really want to play in sports, you know, there's sports where you can have fun, intramural sports, this, that. There's a lot of things you can do. You don't have to try to compete at such a, a high level, you know? No, and, indeed. Um, and the thing that I, the thing women. that I, the thing that I think is so shocking, Caitlin, about this subject is that folk like you and I, who should be considered part of this broad LGBT community, as it's now referred to, even though I hate that term, by the way, or LGBTQ plus I, you know, all of that, don't like that term. But you know, we should be considered part of that community. The issue is, is you've got these hard left activists who actually accuse folk like us of being transphobic simply because we believe in the protection of women's sport. And it's highly divisive, Caitlin. And I just wonder, when it comes to you, you know, the most famous <laughs> trans person in the world, what do you think when they're calling you a transphobe? I, you know what? I, I've just, I, I have common sense. I'm not into the woke world. I have common sense. And to be honest with you, yes, I have taken so much flack for, for have, my yeah. thoughts. Yes, I've taken so much flack. But to be honest with you, I got thick skin. I can take it. Honestly, you can come after. They come after you for all kinds of reasons. That's fine. I really don't care. I'm on uh, the side of fairness. I'm on uh, the side of doing things right, you know, um, and protecting women's sports. And I, I feel like I'm on the right side. So I, I can take all the criticism. Um, that's okay. Um, you know, hey, I just wake up in the morning with a smile on my face and just be myself all day. That's that's all I do. Yeah. And plus, I work for Fox News and this and that. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've, they've been coming after me, but it's okay. I, I feel like I'm on the right side. Common sense, Caitlin. I like that, Caitlin. I like that very much. So good to speak to you again. Keep up the fight and we will keep across it. That is Caitlin Jenner, live from the US.
As the channel migrant crisis continues to worsen, controversial plans to house hundreds of asylum seekers at a former RAF base in Yorkshire were dramatically scrapped today. The leafy village of Linton-on-Ouse was set to house up to 1,500 single migrant men in government plans locals said would destroy their community and way of life. However, Defence Secretary Ben Wallace said today he had withdrawn permission for the Home Office to use the former military site after months of furious public backlash. It comes as the number of channel migrants crossing into UK waters on small boats this year is on course to hit 20,000 within a week after almost 400 arrived in Britain yesterday. And it was extraordinary revealed over the weekend that four in ten migrants crossing the dangerous channel waters actually come from war-free, peaceful Albania. So, Nigel Farage, so much going on with this story. You actually sensationally revealed on your show here on GB News last week how people smugglers were flogging summer sale channel crossing deals on TikTok, callously charging £3,500 for a ride in a dangerous dinghy. Uh, that's now been picked up all across the rest of the media, so that's great. But there doesn't actually seem to be any working solution now to this problem, does there? Remember, just a few months ago, Boris Johnson spoke at Lyd Airport in Kent. Yeah. It should have been Pretty's speech, but Boris thought, I'll steal the glory. We've got the solutions. A three-point plan. Number one, tens of thousands to be shipped to Rwanda. Not one has gone. Not one. Number two, Linton on Ooze to be a big camp so we don't have to book hotels all over the country. That's now gone. Part three, the Royal Navy in the channel to intercept the boats. Uh, the naval boats aren't suitable. They haven't been able to pick up a single migrant. They haven't stopped a single boat. All the Navy now do is tow the empties back into Dover. Everything about this government plan on illegal immigration is now completely and utterly in ruins. And I wonder really whether Boris Johnson and Priti Patel ever believed in it themselves. They have overpromised, underdelivered, and literally hotels are filling up all over this country as we speak to the fury of many. We voted in a referendum to take back control of our borders. We thought we'd confirmed it with a big conservative majority. And I tell you what, if Liz Truss does win, um, as we think she's going to, and mm. as you very much want her to, does yeah. she have the guts to deal with this? Or will it go on? And I promise you one thing, they will pay a very heavy electoral price for this, even if Starmer has no alternative. Do you see anything from Truss, Nigel, that makes you believe she has the inner steel to, to deal with this? Because that's what it's going to take, isn't it? It's going to take us leaving the ECHR, HR, I, I, I really believe. Oh. oh, look, you know, I mean, if we leave the ECHR, we'll be condemned by the United Nations, the BBC, the <laughs> global elites. I mean, it'll be rather like Tony Abbott, the Australian PM, got in 2012 when he towed the boats back to Indonesia. It would take, it would take a sort of modern day Thatcher, Reagan-type figure. It would need that kind of courage. Tony Abbott, perhaps another example. Um, uh, there is no evidence that Truss has any of these things. She's been in Cabinet for eight years. Until a few weeks ago, the vast majority of the country couldn't even identify who she was. Uh, so insignificant has her career in Cabinet over eight or nine years been. So, look, you know, obviously, Dan, I hope I'm wrong. I hope she really does have the, you know, the power, the strength, the muscle to do this, but I very much doubt it. So Ella Braverman 
does want to leave the ECHR. There are these rumours. I mean, there's Westminster rumours, but they're gaining momentum, I think it's fair to say, Nigel, that she might end up replacing Priti Patel as Home Secretary. So I think, look, I agree it's going to take real balls and you only know if a leader has those balls when they're actually in the hot seat. I think yeah. the signs are good, especially if she makes Braverman Home well, Secretary. But you're right, the proof is going to be in the pudding. I mean, that, I mean, that, I mean, that would be great. However, we have a short-term problem. And yeah, you we pointed do. out that we put these TikTok videos out last week yes. specifically aimed at Albanians, right? If four in 10 Albanians in July that came across the channel last month are Albanian, they are a NATO member, an EU applicant country. There are British people flying there today on holiday. Not one of them qualifies as a refugee in any way at all. There are one and a half thousand of them in British prisons already. These are young men coming into this country. And if you listen to what the police have to say, they will tell you that it's the Albanian gangs that have taken over the drugs in London and much of the rest of the country. And we could, we're within our rights to deport every single Albanian that crosses the channel illegally without contravening the ECHR, as I see it. Why is everybody in this leadership contest utterly silent on that point? Very good point. Uh, Nigel, I also really wanted to ask you about these pictures of the French police, right, apparently foiling a, a migrant crossing by puncturing the tyres and destroying the en engine. It took place between Calais and Dunkirk on Saturday evening. Lots of people, Nigel, saying uh, this is a setup. Uh, this is essentially a photo opportunity by the French to make it look as if they're getting tough on, on migrants. Uh, but I know you've got your ear to the ground. What, what's your take on this one? Well, it did show a change of tactics, and that was welcome. But then when you've given them several hundred million pounds, um, just puncturing one boat isn't really enough, is it? So, I mean, again, great footage, GB News leading the way. Um, if you want to know what's happening in my channel on the migrant crisis, come to the People's Channel, come to GB News. We're breaking all these stories way before anybody else. But please don't be convinced that just because they put a knife into one boat that it's going to be, frankly, really going to make much difference. It isn't. And the problem is this, and this is where the French have a point. Those boats are already launching from a 40-mile stretch of French coast. Behind that coast are literally, I mean, lucky them, hundreds of square miles of lovely sand dunes. I mean, the French, that French coast is wonderful. We've got all the shingle, they've got all the sand, and it goes on forever and ever and ever. And to really please that, you would need thousands of people every single day. The problem here is not the French. The problem here lies fairly and squarely with the British government. Let's stop passing the blame. Let's stop deluding ourselves. Let's stop saying it's not our fault, Gov. It's all our fault. We are allowing lots and lots and lots of fit young men from Albania and elsewhere into our country, many of whom now abscond from the four-star hotels that we're putting them into. Um, and it doesn't take much of a brain to work out that a huge majority are joining criminality in this country, making the streets less safe for British people. This is an absolute failure of British government. And as I say, even though Labour have no solutions, there'll be millions who will not vote Conservative unless someone sorts this out. 
Now, if Liz Truss pulls a rabbit out of a hat and surprises us all, I, I promise you, you know, I'll buy champagne for a week if it happens. <laughs> I'll hold you to <laughs> that. <laughs> no, you please, you know. Um, I'll be very happy to. But it's going to take somebody of exceptional strength to sort this out. Yeah, well, let's hope she's got it. Uh, Nigel Farage, first with all of the breaking news on the migrant crisis, back with more tomorrow night at 7pm here on GB News. This is what the Home Office told us today, by the way, about this decision. Uh, the government is steadfastly committed to tackling illegal migration, stopping dangerous small boat crossings. The government will continue to identify appropriate sites for Greek-style asylum reception centres, which will play a key role in reducing the number of asylum seekers in hotels, which costs the taxpayer more than £5 million each day. Former Donald Trump advisor Jason Miller is tonight's outsider. As you know, Trump's Mar-a-Lago home raided by FBI agents last night in what he branded an attack by the radical left in a statement released shortly after the raid. Uh, the former president railed against the siege of his Florida home and accused the Democrats of weaponizing the justice system to prevent his widely touted rerun for president in 2024. Now, this was interesting. He former, uh, sorry, Florida governor, potential Republican rival, really, to the White House, Ron DeSantis, came to Trump's defense, tweeting the raid is another escalation in the weaponization of federal agencies against the regime's political opponents, while people like Hunter Biden get treated with kid gloves. Reports suggest the investigation could centre around documents Trump took with him after he left the White House. Legal experts have warned that if he was found to be in possession of classified information, he could be in violation of federal law and then could be banned from holding public office. So you can see why this is very political. And though the FBI would need probable cause for the raid, speculation is swirling that this is all just a sleazy attempt to stop the march of the Democrats' biggest threat at the next election. But if this is an overreach by the FBI, it could spectacularly backfire and actually end up being a huge boost for Trump at the polls. So Jason Miller, now the chief executive officer of the social media platform Getter, joins me live in the studio. Jason, wow, I mean, this broke the moment I came off air last night. The sort of development that has massive repercussions to American politics. Are you angry that the FBI did this? Well, I am very angry, not just because I'm obviously a Trump supporter. I worked for him on both of his two campaigns. But what this is doing to undermine the American legal system, what this is doing to undermine our institutions, the fact that people in America now view as the FBI, they now view the DOJ, the Department of Justice, as inherently political entities. That's not the way it's supposed to be. People around the world are laughing at us, saying, wait a minute, don't you Americans criticize Venezuela in Cuba, mm -hmm. in the CCP, in China? But you're now sending your, the proverbial jackbooted thugs to go and deliver political retribution to your opponents. Uh, that we're becoming a banana republic. Do you think Biden would have had to know about this? I don't think so. I, obviously, with Joe Biden, the easy uh, out there is to go and say, but he doesn't know much yeah. about anything that's happened. <laughs> that's has a bit of has a bit of being. We'll have more on that later. We'll have yes. more on that later. But I, I think that it's probably Biden's political henchmen that went and did yeah. it, or people who have just felt that President Trump has railed against them. Obviously, we had the Comey investigation. Uh, we had Andrew McCabe, uh, Strachan, uh, Page, the uh, the two lovers that were texting back and mm. forth. We had the Mueller investigation, Russia, 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 impeachment one, impeachment two. If you're in Trump world or if you're a Trump supporter, you know, these things pop up almost mm. every week. It's never yeah. going to stop. Well, and there's never the proof, though. So 
what I guess the most important question is, is this the deep state in action? Well, I think so. And here's the thing that a lot of people don't know, a lot of people don't realize. There were some boxes that President Trump returned back to the yeah. National Archives. There were 15 boxes. They must have uh, followed with him uh, mm. by mistake because uh, obviously they returned them. Which, by the way, happened with Bill Clinton. It's happened with almost every president because invariably for all of the possessions, the different things, and things are always in a various state of being unclassified. And keep in mind, a lot of times when people put TS or top secret on something, that can, that's a very broad generalization. Mm. Now, if it's TS and then dash SCI, that means it's real deal confidential. You got It's compartmented uh, information. You got to be careful. But so some of the boxes were given back. They were clearly taken to Mar-a-Lago in air. President Trump's team has been in contact with the DOJ about making sure to comply with them if there was any follow-up that needed to be done. The DOJ knew who to call. They didn't have to go and send mm. in 20 or 30 FBI agents to do this. This is what happens in a third world country. Really shocking. Jason Miller, uh, we'll keep on this with you this week as the story develops. Chief Executive of Getter, thank you so much. Thank you. Dan Wooten here again. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of my podcast, Uncancelled. Did you like what you hear? Well, remember to subscribe, rate and review and join me for more newsmaking interviews, fiery debate and free speech on Dan Wooten tonight every Monday to Thursday from 9pm till 11pm on GB News.